Alongside Ben McKee and Rob Lewis, I'm Austin Price for the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast on this Tuesday. First, I want to thank our VolQuest.com subscribers. Blue Water Climate Control gets more referrals to their website from VolQuest than any other source by far. To show their appreciation, VolQuest listeners get discounts on all services and repairs, which is really good because it's time to start turning on your air conditioning unit, although it was a little cool the last few days, and unfortunately, it might not work like it should. When that happens, you need to do what many others are doing, and that's called Blue Water Climate Control. Read their reviews, and you'll see the story after story about other companies tried to fix it with this, but Blue Water uh, finally did that. Call the guys who did the repair right and then did it the right way the first time. Blue Water Climate Control, 299-2290. That's 299-2290. Guys, we'll start with baseball on this Tuesday. Tennessee will open up regional play coming up this weekend. Tough draw, Ben. I mean, you start with a right state team that, that can hit it like nobody's business. And then, you know, if you get past them, you're going you're gonna to face some really tough teams. And even if you make it to the Super Regionals the following weekend, you're going to have a motivated LSU team that you swept, potentially, that's playing for their coach. you got an Oregon team that, that's, that's been pretty good all year. I mean, it, they're going to have to play some good baseball. And I know you pointed this out on Twitter. Tennessee's a good baseball team. They're still going to have to play good baseball. They're going to make it to Omaha. Yeah, and even though they're a good baseball team, it, it doesn't take away the sting uh, – from them being a number three overall seed and ending up with a, a pretty tough draw. Uh, and it looks like the committee favored location and uh, teams not having, having to travel as far. I know LSU goes out to Oregon, but uh, in, in terms of looking at some four seeds and, and kind of where they ended up, uh, it seems like the committee preferred distance rather than uh, looking at uh, ability or, or something along those lines. Well, look so at that Gainesville, that Gainesville, you know, regional has got three teams from Florida. Exactly. So uh, just kind of is what it is, I guess, another unfortunate aspect of, of having to, to deal with COVID. But it's a really tough, tough region. And Tennessee's going to have to come to play whether they're a, a good baseball team or not, because as you mentioned, Wright State's going to come out swinging. Uh, Wright State, uh, according to some people who cover college baseball as a whole, probably should have been a two seed uh, within a region, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, since they're a four seed, they're the highest scoring team in the country. They led the nation in average on base percentage, slugging percentage, uh, just a, a ridiculous lineup from from top to bottom. So Wright State probably isn't a, a true four seed within a region. And of course, Tennessee somehow finds a way to to land the, the toughest four seed uh, in its region. And then you also have a, a Duke team that is on fire right now. Uh, they were 20 and 20 at one point and had to win the ACC tournament to get into the tournament and, and did so. Uh, and they're really rolling right now, have won they 12 went, straight. Did I, did I read that right, Ben? They went, oh, you just said 12 straight. That's pretty, that's yep, pretty 12 hot. straight. They are. They're, they're scorching hot right now. And like Tennessee basketball had to deal with Oregon State in the NCAA tournament, looks like uh, Tennessee baseball is going to have to deal with the, the college baseball version of, of Oregon State. And, and that's Duke. Duke and Oregon State have a, a similar a storyline going into the tournament of having to have won their conference tournament to get in. And then Liberty, uh, a team that can really pitch and defend. So uh, Tennessee definitely got the short end of the stick. But uh, as long as they show up and they're themselves, they, they should be perfectly fine. Rob, it's Tennessee athletics. You would expect <laughs> the uh, the hardest path possible, right? Or self, you know, since they haven't had any self-inflicted wounds, yeah, you would expect some kind of outside influence to – 
you know, kind of crop up and and throw throw some obstacles in their path. I mean, I've I've not covered it like Ben is, and and you know, not don't follow it as closely. I've had I've had a ton of fun watching this team the past month, and um, I think you saw by the, the crowd response in Hoover this weekend, a lot of other people have too. Well, I'm gonna be be fascinated to see how Tennessee can use their their camps and football recruiting, especially the official visits. You know, you know, if, if you're playing a normal sporting event, you can take those players to it. But since this is an NCAA regional, can can Tennessee take official Ooh. visitors for football that are in this weekend to said NCAA regional? Like, I don't know the answer to that question. I but I think you got to find a what you got to find a way to incorporate that somehow under the official visit uh, the best you can, because I think it's a, it's a, it's a great tool because you actually get a chance to, you know, to have fans around, you know, some of these prospects and let them see what it's like for, you know, a full Lindsey Nelson, just imagine what it's like at Neyland stadium, yeah. kind of paint that picture. So to and they've, they've got a couple of ba- a basketball kids coming in over the next two weekends. Kassan Wallace, the five-star kid will be in this weekend. So you're right, AP, that's a, that'd be a great platform to kind of show what kind of support athletics gets around here. We'll talk more recruiting coming up here near the end of the podcast, but Ben, we'll keep talking baseball. Take me through the, 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 the idea to go Heflin uh, with the, you know, with the first start down in Hoover instead of going Chad Dallas. What, do you think they'll, they'll, they'll mix the rotation up again for regionals or will they go back to their normal Chad Dallas starts? And then, you know, we'll go Heflin in, in game two. I think they'll keep it as is. I think they wanted to keep Chad Dallas and Blade Tidwell in line with, with the upcoming regional weekend uh, and didn't want to overtax those guys because Will Heflin is just a, a different pitcher than Chad Dallas or, or Blade Tidwell. Blade Tidwell throws 98 miles an hour through all six, seven innings of his outing, uh, and Will Heflin is, is doing good to touch 88 uh, consistently. Uh, throughout the game and that's what makes him so efficient these these college hitters especially those in the SEC are used to teeing off on guys who sit mid-90s upper 90s uh, and, and Will Heflin comes in with his crafty breaking ball and, and change up and uh, mid-80s fastball and it just keeps them off balance and that's why he's so efficient and he's not going to strike out a ton of guys he's going to have a ton of guys off balance and, and rolling over on the ball and hitting ground balls and hitting a, a can of corn out to the outfield. So that's what makes Will Heflin so good. And in him pitching in that style, he's very efficient with his pitches. And uh, Tennessee doesn't want to to leave him out there a third time through the lineup because that's when the opposing team kind of starts to figure him out. And you you see more often than not in the sixth, maybe the seventh inning, if, if he's in that long, teams start to tee off on him at that point. So uh, he's usually in there to the fifth, the sixth inning, and he's only throwing 50 to 60 pitches, 70 pitches at, at max. So he's super efficient in his outings, and he's a guy that you can start on a Wednesday, and then he's capable of bouncing back on short rest on a Sunday, and that's why you saw him pitch on, on Sunday. And that also feeds into this upcoming weekend with the regionals is you knew that he was only going to be around 50 to 60 pitches in, in Hoover in both of his starts, and he'll still be – uh, on track to to pitch this weekend uh, like he typically would. I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Tennessee draws right state because uh, there was some some conversations amongst media members recently at the baseball game, just kind of, okay, if, if you draw a, a four seed 
uh, in your regional and typically the four seed would obviously be the weakest team of the bunch. Do you maybe go with Will Heflin out of the gates and try to save Chad Dallas or a, a Blake Tidwell for later in the weekend against a, a perceived stronger opponent. But with the way Wright State swings the bats, I think you have to come out with Chad Dallas on Friday and uh, you, you probably roll out Will Heflin game two on, on Saturday and then uh, keep Blake Tidwell in his typical Sunday start. Although Blake Tidwell did move up to, to Friday in Hoover and, and pitch, so I could see him pitching on, on Saturday regardless. But the most important thing about Tennessee's pitching staff right now, and Tony Vitello said it to, on Monday during his media availability, is that they didn't overtax any of their pitchers, and they're all good to go for this upcoming weekend. I mean, that was a great break in those two big wins on Thursday and Friday. Do do you think that the confidence level of this team just – they're going to look at this and go, eh, Rice State, okay, they hit it good. We're not going to get worried about Duke, who's won 12 in a row, and they're just going to go out and play. I mean, it just don't seem like they're going to overthink this. I mean, they they seem – I won't say cocky. They just kind of a gelled, confident group. They are cocky, but they 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 they're able to harness it in, in, in the correct way or, or bottle it up in the correct form. I mean, they are a confident group. I I guess cocky can can you know be a bad way to describe confidence, but um, they they're a good cocky if if that does make sense. They don't they don't care who's on the mound. They don't care the about the name on the jersey. That's what makes this team so good. They're they're not the most talented team in the country or or the SEC. Uh, they may not even be a top five most talented team in the country. They'll have guys that play professionally, but you look ten to fifteen years from now uh, at that Tennessee roster, at the Arkansas roster, at the Vanderbilt roster, and, and Arkansas and Vanderbilt are going to have twice as many professional baseball players as as this Tennessee team, and Tennessee overcomes that by the grittiness and the cockiness that they play with. I've been, I mean, I'm just, you know a lot more about it than I do, Ben, but I've been looking at, you know, following the tournament this week and, you know, looking at a lot of, a lot of mock draft, top 100 list. Tennessee may not be a top five t- talented team in the, in, the, in the conference, let alone the country. I mean, if you go, if, they, if you're going by the draft stuff. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. And I, I would agree. I mean, they don't have any bona fide, top three, top five round guys. Well, they do have top three, top five rounds. I shouldn't say that. I think Jake Rucker, Connor Pavoloni, uh, Max Ferguson, I think they are going to be drafted in the top three rounds, top five rounds. But uh, what separates Arkansas and, and Vanderbilt, the Mississippi schools from some of these other schools is that they Florida. have first round, second round. Yeah, Florida, South Carolina, um, typically LSU, A&M. They have first and second round guys in a bunch of them. And Tennessee had one in Jackson Leith. He was going to be Tennessee's best pitcher this season, but uh, he tore his hamstring completely off in three different places, uh, his his first appearance of the season. And he, he's been out for the season since. And, and he's a guy that could have been drafted last year, but his asking price was a little too high because he knew he could come back and pitch against SEC opponents and pitch himself into the first round. Uh, and and he, he was a first-round talent. He obviously won't be drafted in the first round now. Uh, and he's been a big loss and, and just magnifies the, the coaching job that Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson, the pitching coach, ha- have done with this staff this season. But you're right. Tennessee doesn't have guys on, on this particular roster, at least in this, this draft, uh, that will, will be drafted high. Blake Tidwell, Jordan Beck next year, they're, they're probably first-round, second-round picks for sure. Uh, but Tennessee doesn't compare the, all that well in, in talent when you look at some of these other schools. So, so do we do we think this baseball team compares to 
Rick's team a few years ago, Rob, you know, that, that you know, where he took a bunch of guys that weren't highly coveted and then just started, you know, and developed them and they played with confidence and they, they, they bought in and they, there was a certain level of buy-in that led them to play it, you know, to a different level. Is, is there a correlation there? I mean, like, is, I, think is it good, I think that's a pretty good analogy. I mean, although, you know, that team ended up, you know, like you said, nobody wanted them to begin with, but I mean, Grant Williams ends up being a two-time SEC player of the year. Sure. First round draft pick, but he picked Tennessee over Yale at the time. So it's, I don't know, you know, I, I guess as far as being unheralded as, as, as prospects to some degree, I can see that comparison. And then I've got – this may be a, a stupid question just because I don't follow as closely as you do. How does Tennessee – I think Tennessee's played more games than anybody in the field that, that I can see. How I mean, how – I mean, and the discrepancy is big in some cases. I, I got Tennessee with, what, 61 total games, and some teams are – I don't – I don't. I think Mississippi's the only one I found that, that even had 60. Yeah, I think uh, Fairfield is a team that got in, and they're like 37-3. and three. They, They've only played – 40 games or so and that that's been one of Tony Vitello's talking points all year long is that because the the season last year was canceled they wanted to get 60 games in this season or I guess 56 in in the regular season that that was the target number of of games that is something that they wanted to do because guys didn't get to play last year so they wanted to to do their best to to make that up and it wasn't always the easiest. Uh, they had a game canceled earlier in the season. I can't remember who it was against that that got canceled. Uh, it, it was an Ohio team that just didn't want to come down and, and play. Uh, and so Tennessee got on the bus the next day and went to, to Austin P and, and played in Clarksville. And it wasn't the smoothest game for Tennessee, uh, but they, they still just wanted to to play a game despite circumstances. They got on the bus and went to Charlotte. Um, and that it wasn't in, in best conditions or uh, the best circumstances, but they just wanted to make sure that their guys could, could play this season and, and get to that 56-game mark. And, and Tony Vitello, again, has preached that all year long, and I think in part is because he knew the more games that they could play, the, the better off they would be for postseason baseball because the more games you play, the more scenarios are going to pop up, the, the more lessons you are going to learn, so on and so forth. You're going to be more battle-tested. So uh, that that's a, a great point, Rob, because that, that's been one of Tony Vitello's talking points this year from preseason to just, I think it was Monday or Sunday after they lost to Arkansas. He he, he, mentioned, he mentioned it recently in one of his media availabilities that um, that he was very proud that he and his staff and, and team were able to to be one of the teams that played the most games in the country this year. Yeah, they played 15 more games at Wright State, the team they're playing on, on Friday. My favorite story was the team with the losing record that's found its way into the NCAA. <laughs> there's a couple. Baseball. I think two. Southern. That, is yeah, there's, there's a couple. Yeah, as uh, I think Southern they won their conference. Won I, I... It's amazing. Nuts. It's amazing. It's, I mean, just getting hot at the right time and finding a way to get in, finding a mm-hmm. way to get in. Speaking of getting in, there are kids all over college campuses, and they're getting in the camps and official visits. That starts today as uh, the NCAA mandated dead period for recruiting is behind us. Everything's back open again, at least for – the month of June, and then it'll close for its normal dead period in July. But we're back to a normal, a normal recruiting period here. Um, Rob, Tennessee basketball is going to have some uh, pretty impressive visitors in, in the month of June. We'll start with basketball, then we'll flip to football at the end. Um, 
know, just kind of take me through, you know, what Tennessee and what Rick Barnes hope to, hopes gets hopes to get accomplished uh, this month. I, I mean, it's it's a big time group. I mean, I posted this on the board last week. Four. I mean, they've got four kids that will be on campus for for official visits this month that are ranked in the top thirty two in the country. And I'll nail down the dates for everything later on. But the the one the one coming in this weekend is case is Kassan Wallace, five star shooting guard from out of the Dallas area in Texas. Um, big time, big time player. Then you're, later on, you're going to have Brandon Miller from the five star forward from Nashville. Kane Ridge, he's going to be in town. Uh, local standout BJ Edwards is going to be in town. Forward Deontay Green from over in um, the Asheville area, Asheville Christian School is going to be in. And uh, Noah Clowney, big man from the Spartanburg area, uh, is going to be in as well. 6'11 kid. Um, Dylan Mitchell, right number 31 in the country. He's a forward from down in Florida. And Jalen Hood Shafino is a. Uh, is the number 32 ranked player in the class. He's a guard, has, was previously committed to um, Villanova. So that's what, six, six kids, five of them in the top 100, four in the top 32. And, um, and I think BJ's, I think we have him way underrated that um, just barely inside the top 100 as well. And that's one, you know, BJ's going to take a couple other visits, but I, I really, really like Tennessee's chances with him right now. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, I always say never, never get worked up about rankings. I mean, I, I, when, when, when kids go against other top players and perform at the level that B.J. Edwards has performed going against some of these really, really good players uh, that Catholic has played or the B.M.A.'s elite team has played, um, you know, uh, I, that's why I don't get real worked up about, you know, the, the rankings. I mean, like, you know, because, I mean, like, not, not just rivals. They're, you know, 24-7 or whoever, ESPN, whoever ranks them, they all miss. And and so that's why, you know, it's, and, it's who wants them, who wants them, and how they perform against other big time. And, and the rankings are – I mean, they're crazy this year because, I mean, kids in, in football or basketball have been seen, the, you know, less than, than they have in a quarter of a century. I mean, the, the opportunities for evaluation just haven't been there. Rob, when you look at these guys that are coming in this this month, do you think Tennessee's in in best available mode, and and they'll just kind of take best available, or, or do you think they'll go position specific? Uh, I think I think they definitely need or are going position specific when it comes to adding a point guard and adding size. Because I, mean, I, I don't think you can count on Kennedy Chandler sticking around Knoxville very long. I mean, he might. I'm not, I'm not saying that, and I think. Rick is in a mode right now where he's he's not going to go through another year like he went through this year where you re, where size was a real impediment inside. I mean, he, he you know canceled some of that out by being such a freak, but I think he's he's in a mode now where he's going to have multiple six ten six eleven guys on the roster that he can that he can throw at people. So I think they definitely want to add size. They definitely want to add a point guard, and then after that, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Ben, best available. Talk Tennessee football recruiting now. Um, Big week, AP. Yeah, camp start today, Rob. Um, you know, um, you got we'll your whistle cover. No, uh, we'll have full coverage from campus um, uh, later today, and then we'll have uh, coverage Friday night of the night at Neyland Camp, um, where Tennessee will have a lot of in-state and and more and, and players inside kind of their footprint, but specifically a lot of in-state players. I think there's a chance that Isaiah Horton, the Herrings, Cam Miller, um, you know, Nathan Robinson, the big kid 
you know, from Greenbrier, Tennessee comes in. I expect Tennessee to have a lot of in-state kids here uh, coming up Friday night. I'm interested to see how that event goes. You know, the Orange Carpet Day became such a big deal under the uh, Butch Jones, uh, you know, staff. Uh, this staff, a night at Neyland, I like this whole, this whole, you know, I, I think it, every, everything's better at nighttime. So I, I, I think that doing a camp at night at Neyland uh, has, you know, the possibilities to be really, really good. Um, Tennessee going to end up with a couple of official visitors this weekend. Uh, Jalen Glover, the running back, Demario Tolan, uh, the kid from Florida. Joshua Josephs was supposed to be here, um, but I don't think he's going to make his decision until the fall. And so I think he's not going to visit officially this weekend. I know they hope to get him in unofficially in the month of June. I think he plans on doing that, but um, I think he's going to push his official visit at Tennessee back to the fall which honestly, I think Tennessee is anytime they can do that, anytime they know for sure that a kid's not going to commit in this next 30 days or so, um, you know, I think it's wise to push it to the fall because you can get them here for a game, let them feel the atmosphere, gives you more time to develop a relationship, and you shoot your shot then versus shooting it early. So, you know, um, you know, I don't look for a ton of official visitors this weekend. The next three weekends after that are going to be big, though. Um, you know, and, and I think more so than anything, it's about, you know, Friday night, the night at Neyland, and, and all the in-state kids and kids inside the uh, kind of the footprint here that can get to campus. Austin, you, you always see coaches trying to battle it out with other schools, or I should say schools battling against each other, uh, trying to get kids on on campus for visits in the fall. How just how competitive is it going to be this June between schools trying to to battle it out to get get kids on campus? I mean, I saw today on, on Twitter where Florida State's having kids on campus the moment the the clock hits midnight. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what? However, you can get juice. You know, it's kind of like that whole like you know high school the high school team that practices at midnight the moment that you know you know you can start practicing you know just because you know it's a spectacle you make a deal out of it it's exciting for the kids um so i understand the logic of doing that um but yeah i mean there's gonna be a lot of competition you know and that's why you know all these schools have been plotting and planning for months on you know hey lock me in june 12th lock me in june 19th lock me in you know whatever date and so you know I, that's gonna happen and uh you know again i think for tennessee it's not about how many you get in the month of June. It's more about how many do you survive them not pulling the trigger and making a decision in haste just because now you can take a trip. You know, I mean, we've talked about Dallin Hayden. I'm pretty firm on, you know, if Tennessee can survive the month of June, there's ch their chances to land Dallin Hayden go up dramatically. And, you know, we'll see, um, you know, how he feels coming out of that Ohio State visit. But if he does come here unofficially um, later in the month for a day or two trip, I think that goes a long way to kind of establishing Tennessee being a a, uh, a contender there um, um, for, for Dallin Hayden services. And there's going to be a lot of guys like that. Yeah, and you just got to get kids on campus. I mean, that's that's the big thing, in my opinion, because there is this – perception of Tennessee football right now and, and how down it is and uh, the looming NCAA investigations and, and whatnot. You just have to get kids on campus right now and, and let them get in not only the the, ten, the, the new Tennessee football environment, but the, just let them be in Knoxville. Let, let them be in East Tennessee. Knoxville and East Tennessee has has so much to offer compared to 
to other SEC towns. I, I was in Columbia, South Carolina last weekend, and it does not compare to East Tennessee or or Knoxville. It, it's not even close. So it, just examples of, of that. You got to get kids in and just let them experience the the Knoxville vibe, so to speak, or or the the University of Tennessee vibe because it is different than than other schools. Uh, the, this place has a lot of you know special qualities to it that the NCAA investigation and uh, the losing on the football field over the last decade or so has kind of covered up. So just as simple as getting them on campus, I, I think is so critical. Well, Tennessee's had so much change over the last 12, 15 years. Rob, you really look at, you know, the current state of things. They're they they are experiencing things right now that they've never experienced before. And, and you know, I mean, just when you think you, you've seen it all, you know, you have all the change and, and the investigation and all that. It's not just as simple as changing coaches and, and getting and, – and, you know, the recruits getting a feel for the new staff. You have to incorporate all the things Ben just said, and that makes it harder. I mean, it's not just as simple as, well, you know, well, you, know you should be able to recruit these four-star guys, you know, because these four-star guys, four- and five-star guys, they want to, you know, they want to play. They all don't want to have to necessarily play at Alabama, you know, they all want the possibility. They want the dream of playing for a championship. They want all those things. And if you, you know, you're saying that there's a X amount of your bowl ban, that changes things for them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, to me, I, and you know, the NCAA does crazy stuff. Who knows? But I have a, I have a hard time seeing a multi-year bowl ban with every, with the way Tennessee has bent over backwards to accommodate or to, you know, be transparent, but you know, you can't you, you can't say that with any finality right now if you're Tennessee nope. and that's right and, and if you're if you're a rival school recruiting against Tennessee it, it is beyond easy to plant a seed of doubt or uncertainty in the mind of a prospect or the mind of a parent and I, I mean I think it, it besides the NCAA stuff I think the biggest obstacle and I've I've said it before and I'll say it again is that the last time Tennessee was in Atlanta playing for a championship the kids that they're trying to recruit in the 22 class were three years old, four years old. That That is the biggest obstacle facing Tennessee getting back, you know, being recruited against Georgia, against Alabama, against Florida, winning some of those head-to-head battles or more or winning their share of those head-to-head battles and keeping kids in state. That's right. How, how, do, they, how do they continue to be the – it's not even the cool school. How do you continue to be the fun school – and, and that's what they've made themselves this spring with all the things they've done. You saw them playing laser tag on the new uh, – the summertime enrollees arrived. How do you be, continue to be the fun school without it being – you know, that being your only thing? You, you know, you it, want to be fun, but you want to be about football too. So, like, how, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you marry them together? It can't be a gimmick. You know, you've got you to win some games. That's right. These – I was just going to add that to, to Rob's point that the, the recruits like truly believe that Josh Heupel and his coaching staff are genuine. Now it's about showing just how genuine they are in, in person. Uh, Jalen yep. Glover, who you mentioned is, is taking an official visit uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, when I, when I spoke with him, he, he raved about how genuine Josh Heupel and, and the coaching staff is and Jerry Mack and, and so on and so forth. And, he, he made the comment that, okay, now he wants to get them in a room and he, he, he's done all the Zooms. He's, he's heard all the, the talk to get him to, to campus and, and whatnot. Now it's about just seeing how genuine they are in person and he wants to, to be able to pick up on that vibe in person. So 
I, I do think that this coaching staff is genuine, that, that uh, they, they do care about the players more than just simply them being a football player. Uh, but now it's about showing them in person when they get to campus. I mean, this is a big, right. it's a big week, AP. I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but for the first time, Josh Heupel is going to be selling Tennessee's football program and himself, you know, and not not on a screen, in, you know, in person, pressing flush. That's right. He'll be, as Brent Musburger would say, live <laughs> with every prospect he can over the next month. So, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how it all transpires over the next 30 days or so. Tennessee, of course, with prospects on their campus as we speak, as camp is set to kick off this morning. They'll have a morning wave, an afternoon wave, and, of course, the night at Neyland coming up on Friday before a couple of official visitors this weekend. For Ben McKee and Rob Lewis, I'm Austin Price. This has been the Blue Water Climate Control Volquest.com podcast.